0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. Not
1: Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station.
0: Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers.
1: Pure athlete yeah. a transcend race, O'Brien. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs>
2: man.
0: I back it
1: up. And we are a full of that, man.
0: I'm right. And Jeff Howe.
1: It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone
0: sets so. up.
1: If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening. However you're doing it, wherever you're doing it from, we just thank you so much for being a part of the presentation. And you can get every episode of Longhorn Blitz by just going to wherever you get your podcasts and searching Horns 24-7. Click the subscribe button to get every episode of the flagship State of Recruiting. And Longhorn Blitz, which drops each and every Tuesday at 7 a.m. on your preferred podcast provider. Let me bring in the rest of the team that will be alongside for this latest adventure, this latest presentation of the Blitz He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir?
2: Doing great, man. How about you? I'm good. You getting ready for the NBA playoffs? Oh, yeah, man. Looking forward to this last week. And then, yeah, playoffs are going to be wild. What you guys don't know is that Matt's
1: color-coded charts that he has throughout all the football season, it's just like that as he's getting ready. Uh, for the NBA playoffs to do his thing on the Daily Fantasy front. Uh, a man who, he can talk Daily Fantasy, he could talk NBA playoffs, but we get him on here to talk college football because he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz a lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semi for the Jim Thorpe Award, Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that tee ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod b how are you sir
3: i'm good man i appreciate the intro as always thank you
1: that's what i'm here for so we've got uh we're in the off season but uh we've been doing this long enough those of you who have been with us those of you who are new listeners uh we don't have any issue filling content uh if we got through 2020 the 2020 off season and had shows to fill we could definitely do it this year in 2021 gentlemen uh we do have to to get a little heavy to start this week's podcast. And there's no easy way to segue into this, so let's just go ahead and get it out there. Uh, The untimely passing of Jake Ellinger, uh, that happened late last week. Uh, His memorial service, if you're listening to this, on Tuesday. It will be tomorrow, so Wednesday of this week on May 12th. Uh, I do expect there to be a a heavy Texas football family presence uh, around the Ellinger family. I know Steve Sarkeesian was scheduled to speak to an event for the Houston Touchdown Club. This week, and Rod B., that's in your neck of the woods. You know how big of a deal that is uh, yeah. on their coaches' tours. That event has actually been postponed and is going to be rescheduled because Sark, as I understand it, he's going to attend uh, the service on Wednesday and wants to devote his time, energy, effort, and attention uh, to uh, the Ellinger family and the Texas football family right now. Guys, there, there's just no – there, are, uh, Rod, it, it's been several days now, and I still just don't. Don't really have the words to put it into context, to put it into words. uh, Just, man, just how much your heart just hurts in this situation. And and, and I turn to you, Rod, because, uh, you know, as a player, uh, you guys dealt with this. uh, I I cannot believe it's been 20 years. uh, 20 years ago, you guys dealt with this, uh, with the passing of Cole Pittman uh, in the spring of 2001. And, Rod, it's just anytime, time, you know, somebody young passes. Rod, I know you and I talked when, when uh, uh, another one of your former teammates when Cedric Benson passed a couple of years ago. And yeah. they're just – and I don't know if it's different for me because I'm a parent now, so it puts things into a different perspective. But there really are no words, Rod, other than just to say, you know, my, my heart goes out to the Ellinger family, to the Texas football family, to the Westlake community. And uh Rod, you, you've you've unfortunately been there. Uh there's man, there is no easy way to, to deal with this other than just to take it, man, day by day, hour by hour in, in some instances.
3: It's uh it's just heartbreaking from so many different angles. I, I actually over the weekend, you know, I like most uh Longhorn fans, um was just you know, just absolutely Blown, just I, I couldn't really put into words how tragic and how heartbroken I was for the family. I mean, thinking about what that family has already been through, we all know the story um, of you know that family losing their patriarch at a young age for Sam and for Jenna, of course, losing a husband, but Sam losing his father, um, Jake, same thing, um, and Morgan as well. And then having to get through that, working your way through that emotionally. Um, And obviously that family had to be really strong. We know they're strong in their faith. They have to be able to get past that because that's very, very tragic. And then, you know, Sam, I'm sure at one point unfairly probably took upon his shoulders to be the man of the house. And within the same week of him, well, only five days of him accomplishing what was a a goal that, you know, trust me, as a person who was drafted into the NFL, that is something you can't do alone. You need family support. You need, uh, you know, somebody's got to take you to practice. Somebody's got to be just as devoted to, to that goal as you are. And that family was devoted to that goal. And, you know, not having, you know, his father there to be a part of it. We all watched when Sam was drafted how, joyous that occasion was for that family i mean they were they were elated you could tell tears there should have been tears of course because that is a great moment and it it just seems like it's unfair lunch seems it is very unfair that he didn't that family didn't get a chance to enjoy that moment and they didn't get a chance to enjoy that accomplishment for more than a week you know i mean that now there is their tragedy that overshadows that joyous moment for them. And I just wish they would have got a chance to, as a family, you know, breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief that Sam, he made it to the league. Um, Jake's at Texas now, you know, where his dad would have wanted both of their his sons to be Longhorns. Jenna was probably getting back to life. Um, yeah, Martin graduating, all that, you know, that kind of normalcy of getting back to it and then having this type of tragedy hit. So I just don't really know what to say. I know it's, it's something that it's on, it's heavy on the hearts of a lot of Longhorn fans. So my thoughts and prayers with the family, I just keep thinking about the family. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's the Westlake family too. I know they're a part of that. And the Longhorn family is the team. I've lost a a teammate before. Um, And that is really tragic. It's horrible. Um, and Matt Brown did a, a, a beautiful thing by allowing us to mourn and grieve together. He brought Cole Pimmons' family around, his father around, um, and his his mom. And, he, you know, he, he allowed them to grieve with us. And that process, I think, allowed us to heal together. So I'm sure Sark wants to be a part of that. You know, he wants, I'm sure he's. He's trying to be as involved as he can. This is a guy that's about relationships, so um, he understands how to deal with tragedy. I, that Jack, remember Jackson Coker, the unfortunately yeah. other Westlake uh, alum, young man that had a tragic accident and passed away earlier this year. I heard Sark reached out to the family. I mean, that's obviously that's not on his team, but that's what kind of heart he has. He's got a big heart, so um, he understands the community is really affected by it. It's saddened by it. There are no words, man. We can, you know, I, trying to talk about it, trying to put yourself in the shoes of that family and deal with that kind of immeasurable loss. You know, time is the only thing, you know, that can be a solace, time. And they've dealt with it before, unfortunately, as a family. And I just, I know that they're strong enough to deal with it. I, and we don't know what the greater greater purpose of any of this is, but... um Yeah, I I think they have enough faith uh, that they know that on the other side, they'll get a chance to see the loved ones they've lost before Um, and they'll see them again. So I think that's probably what brings them a little bit of comfort.
1: It's very well said, Rod. Uh, I do want to mention a couple of things. If you need information uh, on the service or on, you know where to uh, make donations. You can uh, at Texas Football, the official uh, program's Twitter account. As I'm looking at it right now, it is the very first tweet. It is a it is a link to uh, to Jake's obituary and has the information in it that I'm going to run down for you. But just in case you need it, you can go to at Texas Football on Twitter and find it there. I have also retweeted it at Jeff How 247. So if you need it, uh, if you can't remember or whatever, you need the links. Uh, those are two places you can get it. Uh, but services, uh, uh, Wednesday, May 12th, Riverbend Church, uh, Home for Hope. That's at 4124 North Capitol of Texas Highway in Austin. Uh, and in lieu of flowers, because I know everybody, you know, the outpouring of love and support from this fan base and, uh, you know, the Westlake community, the Texas football community, everybody uh, that wants to, to help the Ellinger family. Uh, in lieu of flowers, the Ellinger family is asking that donations be made to Fellowship of Christian Athletes care of Steve Vitterini that's V I T T O R I N I 478 Live Oak Lane in Spicewood 78669 is the zip code and uh, the the link to the obituary has a link to the FCA page where you can make donations. So I know everybody, Rod, always, uh, at times like this, it, it's amazing how people can can pull together. But those of you who are interested, uh, you know, that that whole saying, hey, you know, I don't know what I can do, but let me know how I can help. This is a way that uh, that you can help donate to a cause that's that's near and dear, uh, was near and dear to Jake and to the Ellinger family. So, very well said, Rod. I don't know how we segue uh, into talking uh, Longhorn football, but we will uh, we'll do our best here to do that uh, for the for what the time we have left in this week's show. Um, Rod, I, I do want to take this time as we segue into Longhorn football to commend you uh, and also Brad Kellner and Kevin Dunn, Triple Option with RBKD each and every weekday on the Horn from three to seven. Uh, the football discussions you guys have uh, really just kind of get my wheels going, especially, you know, in this time where you're coming off a spring ball and I'm kind of in baseball mode and, you know, the start of the football season. You can see it on the calendar. It's there but still maybe not close enough to reach out and touch it yet. Uh, And and there there are some topics you do run the risk of beating some topics into the ground. But one thing that you guys started talking about on a recent show really got got me down one of those rabbit holes and something that Matt and I brought up a few years ago. Matt, I know you love the topic of bust rate. Mm-hmm. And one thing, you know, I think it's worth re-racking, Matt, why we decided to do this. And I don't know what we were talking about, but I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but I think it was you and I just got tired of people frivolously throwing that in, throwing that term out and using it very liberally. Oh, this guy's a bust. This guy's a bust. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, no, it's subjective, but how do you put some kind of quantitative measure on what a bust is. So I took your original idea, the idea that we conceived, and I basically decided, look, if a guy, if you recruit a guy out of high school and within the first two years that he's in the program, if he's out within those first two years for anything other than just a, a medical hardship type situation, in other words, it's grades, discipline, outright transfer, whatever the case is, then... That goes towards your bust rate because that essentially means you got nothing. I mean two years, Rod, you played four years of, of big time college football, in Texas, man. Two years for guys in a program, that's that's nothing. Some guys, I'd say most guys, don't really get a foothold into who they are until going into year three. So if you don't make it through year two, yeah, you're gonna be counted toward that bust rate. And that's where that term yeah. bust comes from. So, and there are exceptions. We have made exceptions to the rule. Like if you, the data we collected, like on the 2004 recruiting class, for instance, well, Ramon's Taylor fits the criteria, but no rational, sane person that watched Texas football at that time could call Ramon's Taylor a bust. It's just, yeah. so we just wanted to put a quantitative value on it. So I started thinking of it, Rod, in terms of something Kevin brought up and it was just how talented is this roster? This Texas roster in 2021, and looking at it also through the prism that that BK talked about, which is true that this roster is made up of a couple of top three recruiting classes that Tom Herman and company put together. That's, that's factual. It's you can go look that up. It's it's not uh, it's not lying. It's not it's not fake news yeah. as they say. <laughs> but I started thinking about it, right? And I was like, well, you know, how much talent from those recruiting classes are left? And this is where you get into bust rate, and basically. The purpose of the bust rate is if your bust rate – and Matt got this number, and as I went through history and did the data, at least in the Big 12 era of recruiting, it's like, yeah, if your bust rate is 30% or higher, that's when you really start to see gaps in the pipeline. And trust me, there's a lot more 30% or higher bust rates in the last 10 years than the previous 10 years. But I started looking at it, guys, and we'll get to the 18 class here in just a second because that's a unique organism. But, Matt, I just want to throw this number at you for all the historical data that we tracked and you've seen all the research I put into it. The 2019 recruiting class right now, the running bust rate for that group is 26.4%. So those guys are going into year three, and you're already in danger of creating a pretty significant gap in the pipeline with some positions. And when you start to look at – and and I went down and tracked, and, Rod, feel free to chime in on this as well – but these are the guys that are contributing to the bus rate. And tell me if Texas couldn't use help at these positions. Brew McCoy at wide receiver. Kenyatta Watson second at corner. Javon Shepard on the offensive line. Caleb Johnson at inside linebacker. Kennedy Lewis at wide receiver. Willie Tyler on the offensive line. Uh, Jawan Mitchell At inside linebacker. And then you've got and then on top of that, you've got Peter Pudgy on the defensive line, Darian Brown at running back, and DeGabriel Ford at linebacker. Those guys don't count toward the bus rate because they never played a down at Texas because of medical issues. So yes, the twenty nineteen recruiting class was ranked third in the country, but you're already venturing into the territory going into year three where a third of this group you can't count on yeah, if I mean, you're Steve Sarkisian. Wow. The
2: idea of wasted talent. and it, it, wow. it Also, every class there are degrees to where you want to look and sort of combine not only now the bus rate, you don't want to have that, but you can save that class if, say, you have you know, your 25% NFL-level or top-level contributors because across the board you can see some classes that have a higher bus rate but you hit at the top. Where if you start to put together those classes, though, where you end up having 50% of guys middling and then you have that 30% bust rate, Mm -hmm. that's going to be where you don't have a contributor. And that's where you see that big dip. And that's sort of what Texas couldn't avoid. For so many years, it would seem like you would sprinkle in one or two of those. And if in every single four-year period you have a gap or a hole, you're never going to have that continuity that you can sort of see in the numbers, the foundation that was laid for the best teams of the Mac era. And you could survive one class here or there that could fall off. But once you started to either stack classes with bad bus rate, two out of four, somewhere around those lines. Or if you just couple together, you get an average class, average bus rate, but you aren't getting any NFL-level contributors from there, then that almost correlates directly to the lack of success Texas has had.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I I, I think the metric you guys came up with is unbelievable. Love that. I think it's definitely going to have to be tweaked and almost – uh, repurposed and rethought of because of the transfer portal and yes. now what it means, right? Yes. And the new rule that you can transfer without penalty one time, um, with all those new rules, like I, I don't know if the same, you know, thought process behind that. Yeah, there will be a uh, formula you guys came up with. I don't know if it applies in the modern day anymore, just because of how quickly guys hit the transfer portal and how you. Can acquire talent through the transfer portal. I mean, look at Sark. Linebacker was an issue. Well, they've acquired five linebackers through the transfer portal just this off season alone.
2: Yeah. yeah. Then a quick way that I think you could really resolve that is you continue with the tracking that we have say off of the class that you recruit but you can almost go and have an added value and if you go and get a grad transfer that becomes a college starter you can go and appropriate that to whatever now you don't have its distinct class from before but to the roster it almost takes off five percent of a bust if you were able to get a grad transfer that comes in and starts well that's like shaving off a player that was a bust on the back end so once you start to add those up together you can see sort of see it's exactly like plug in a hole or the patchwork that those things or those players are intended to be.
1: I I think the better point, Matt, to kind of tie together what you just said, the way I look at it is like like the the you know, take <clears throat> I don't have the data in front of me, I apologize for that, but like go look at like the twenty fourteen class mm-hmm. or even the twenty fifteen class, right? Let's say and the guy I'm thinking about in this instance is Calvin Anderson, right? If you lose yeah. an, if you lose an offensive lineman or two, count in the next three to four years you're gonna go need to get one out of the transfer portal because you're gonna hit a year where you're either faced with a situation where you're gonna have to rush a young guy or you're just gonna need to go find somebody to fill a hole because you lack a veteran presence at that position. Now you can start to look at the the 19 class. The eight, really the 17, 18, and 19 classes, and start to look at some of those positions, Rod, and that's where you're starting to see really the need for outside linebacker. But I think the need for outside linebacker, like you mentioned, all the guys that Sark has gone and gotten through the portal. I mean, Ben Davis, Ovia Gofu, Ray Thornton. Uh, am I leaving anybody out on, on the outside? And I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. I know there's a, a lot of guys. But the bottom line is I think the other thing, too, to take into consideration, the good thing about – the transfer portal now, and I'm getting a little off topic, but, man, when you've got a scheme change, man, the transfer portal can be a godsend because you can say, well, yeah. we don't have the guys. That, like Pete Kwiatkowski could come to Texas. Man, if he didn't have the transfer portal, he would be looking at a situation where, man, I've got to change what I do because I don't have, I don't have the bodies mm-hmm. to do what we want to do now. Like you said, right? you can go load up on bodies in the transfer portal and bring them in and say, okay, we don't have to. Take a guy like Jatavian Sanders now and say, "Well, you have to go play defense because we just don't have bodies over there, and we need you to go learn how to play defensive end. Even though you're better positioned where you can help us too, you can't help us on offense. But we really need help on defense. Now you can still take that same plan of action with Jatavian Sanders that you wanted to take because you do have the luxury of going to the transfer portal. But back to what Matt was talking about in terms of bust rate, and holes in the pipeline. Just think of that as a as a fan. That's how you have to put. That's how you have to view these things." In your recruiting classes early on in those first two years, when you lose, start losing guys at certain positions, just automatically assume a couple years down the road that's going to be a spot where the staff has to go look for a body in the portal.
3: Yeah, you can almost predict it, right? It's almost mm-hmm. predictive analytics if you really break it down. Yep. You should be able to accurately predict, all right, we're going to have a void here right around this year unless you either can remedy the problem with an influx through the transfer portal, or you can, like you said, you can do that later on, or you can do it right there at the time, because the transfer portal now changes. used to be more, oh, we'll get graduate transfers, or you can get, you know, guys who, maybe from JUCO or from a lower level, but now, with the new transfer rule, hell, man, you're bringing in guys who are, who got four years of eligibility left.
1: Yeah, and of course the rule Rod's talking about is that one time transfer rule, which basically I, I I could I saw that coming a few years ago. I, I kinda knew, felt like that's where things were headed, and here we are now. We do have a one time transfer rule, which basically you you get a mulligan. You can hey, for whatever reason guys transfer for different reasons all the time, but this just it's that Rod, it's just that whole deal, that shady thing of well, it's get a lawyer and find a loophole and all this other stuff yeah. to get you uh, eligible uh, you know immediately eligible and then you remember you remember, you remember when Justin Fields transferred from Georgia there were allegations of, of racism with the baseball team and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff and, yeah. you know, whether that happened or not if it happened it's a horrible thing uh, but if it didn't or the story was misconstrued well there's there's got to be a better way to transfer than just you know m- making allegations or, like I said, a lawyer just sitting somewhere trying to find a loophole in wording. But the bottom line is, you don't have to worry about that. Everybody gets a mulligan. Everybody gets a free pass with the one-time transfer rule. Which is fair. Right. I'm 100%. Rod, you said this years ago, and and this is kind of what I live by now. Uh, If you're not going to pay the players... Give them as much as you can, then until you do come up with a system to pay them. Now, just treat them like
2: an, any other student that can transfer.
1: Now we're on the verge of that changing with all the name, image, and likeness legislation yep. across the country that's getting passed. So we're we're getting closer to that point. But man, if you're if you're not going to pay them, I'm all for the players having whatever rights they can get. Rod, I bring up all this talk about bus rates and how talented the roster is to get back to the one topic in the, you know, almost decade. Can you guys believe we've been doing this podcast for almost a decade? I was going to
2: mention uh, this is like the birthday weekend of the show because it's like (laughs) May 12, 2012. Yeah, so this is the ninth year.
1: We started in uh starting was, our tenth year. Yeah, we started in twenty eleven. In twenty eleven and uh the twenty twelve season I, I'm sorry. Twenty twelve. It was twenty twelve. So the twenty twelve season I remember when was I was our tired. first season.
2: <laughs> Thank you for that, Matt. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, it's it's an easy landmark in my mind. But like you just, Matt goes into work one day. Hey, my key card doesn't work. What's, uh, what's the deal here?
0: Oh, and uh, when they
2: tell you you got to come into the boss's office for a meeting in the morning, you might not want to go. Yeah. I hey, I've actually, been there, brother. Trust me. <laughs> you know, Matt,
1: it's funny. I actually you bring that up. I actually remember now where I was standing when I got that phone call. So. Oh, yeah? It's funny how you I remember, remember some things. Too. Uh, But uh, so, yeah. So we've been doing this for almost a full decade. And the one thing, gosh, we started talking about this, and now we're on our fourth Guys, this is the fourth head coach we've had since at Texas since we started this podcast. And what are we still sitting here talking about? We're talking about the issue of player development in this program. Rod, I have determined on my own through our talks and everybody and the research and the reading and listening to other people. We talk about all the time, you know, what is it you say Rod about house? It's it's you know, you're you're treating the symptoms but you're not diagnosing the disease. Yeah. The
3: actual affliction. You're not trying to remedy the actual disease, but they're just treating the symptoms. Which it's sometimes it's hard to figure out. Actually, like on the show House, what the cause? What's the root cause of this issue? Right? What is the uh, what is? And for Texas, like what is the root cause of why now three different coaches? Well, you say four, since we've done the podcast, all have failed to maximize the talent on the 40 acres they yep. can't develop the talent whether it be the system they're trying to develop it in the culture they're trying to develop it in um texas can't seem to do that and and this year uh and tom Harmon, who's out i don't I hate to keep bringing him up but still that's the most recent football we have to talk about there are so many examples of guys who you regressed while they were here yeah. Kane Stearns, who we most famously bring up had his best season as a freshman, we talked about the, the Sam Cosme statement that I made before the season started that if he wasn't a first round draft pick, based on everything that I had seen and heard and all the projections, something went horribly wrong. And we know something went horribly wrong. Yep. Um, Sam Ellinger, who could, should, you know, I mean, he regressed his last year, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that was the system and that they put Sam in in his situations. So we're still looking at. And and we are much better off than we were when Charlie Strong was here. So I'm not going all doom and gloom, but it will be, in my opinion, Sark's number one objective, or it should be, to just try to maximize the talent as much as possible. Some of that will be common sense, like give B. John Robinson the ball or put your best 11 guys on the field, you know, all that kind of stuff that Tom Herman was just, it stupefied us, those decisions he would make. Mm-hmm. Um, but also individually individually developing these players so that they can meet not only the expectations, but also that they could actually be the best version of themselves as football players. We haven't really seen, we've seen, you know, guys at times um, play really good football. We've seen it sporadically with players, but Texas has has yet to be able to maximize on a large scale most of the high caliber talent they're bringing in, and because of that, that that disconnect, um, Texas is right now in a subpar program. But
1: it it's one of those deals, Rod. Uh, we figured out what the disease is. I think after all these years, we finally figured out what the disease is. The disease is you, you're me, you mediocre at best in terms of developing the talent you get. Compared compared to other schools across the country that get like talent, there's almost a decade worth of studies. And Chris Hummer, I know, is getting ready to, to update his at 24-7 sports after the latest NFL draft. And Chris does, oh, yeah. Chris does a really does good job tracking, good. tracking development rate. But... Rod, compared to schools that get like talent, you are one of, if not the worst, program in the country at developing big-time talent.
2: Period. Especially period, period in Power in
3: Five. Like, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah, among the elites.
2: Yes. <laughs> I pulled up the bus rates for some of those classes in 09, 42.9, <laughs> 13, 46.7, and sixteen thirty nine point three. So those were sort of, like you can see, Every fourth year, third or fourth year, you have a crater of a class that can bog you down. And like you mentioned, uh, I guess the 19 class now in the 20s, and then you had a decent foundational class with the 18, but you just want to make sure that you don't have one of those cratering classes when you're in the upper 30s to 40s, like you were in 9, 13, and 16. And the seventh, seventh, sorry, sorry,
3: latest one, this was from 2020, so obviously it's not the 2021 one, but uh, and, and by his tracking by, by his tracking from this from 2011 to 2015 i guess those are recruiting classes that he tracked for that 2020 Some bad um, years. draft class texas is only texas is only developing 15 percent of their blue chip players their top two, two four seven players is basically what it is their so yeah. top 247 players uh into nfl draftable Players into NFL draftable prospects. So 15% of the top players that Texas brings in turn into NFL draft picks. Now compare that to Alabama, 59%, Ohio State, 63%, um, Clemson, 58%, Florida, 55%, LSU, 48%, OU, 50%, Ole Miss, 47%, 51% for Florida State, 41% Forty-one percent for Stanford, Notre Dame, forty-two percent. Like everybody gets it. At, at, at this point. Virginia is better than Texas, developing sixteen percent of their top players Jeez. are ended up being draft picks, and Cal is better too. They're at twenty percent. We are literally—I'm not joking—based on Chris Hummer's research, we are literally the worst <laughs> among the like the Power Five teams, and who are bringing in at least the. Um, I don't know what his actual like the the cutoff is, the threshold for how many players, but based on his research, we're the worst. Like we are the worst among the power five <laughs> of teams. The teams develop, that get you know, the blue
2: chippers talent. were the worst.
1: Pretty much, yeah. yeah Texas is the Pretty worst much. pro the worst power five program in the country at developing blue chip talent. It's mm-hmm. been that way. He
2: says he
3: current in this study he says we're thirty first out of his thirty two qualifying teams. <laughs> I don't know exactly yes. what his qualifier is. So we're I guess we're not technically the worst. We're Based on his research, we'd be second worst among the qualifying
1: teams. Oh man, so that's the disease, Rod. Uh, but how do you treat? How do you treat the disease at this point? Well, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, that's gonna pretty much determine how your tenure goes. Because when you look at what's left on campus from those two recruiting classes that were top three classes in the country, like the twenty the, the twenty eighteen class, that class is gonna end up having a really low bust rate. The running bust rate for that class right now. It's only eleven and a half percent based on our definition of bus. But the following guys, these following guys transferred out after year three in the program. Jalen Green, Delia Dayway, Keontae Ingram, Malcolm Epps, and Reese Moore. Now you know, Reese Moore was a backup offensive lineman. Keontae Ingram effectively kind of got recruited over by B. John Robinson. He at least
2: contributed. And in he a roundabout way, Roshan
1: Johnson. Yeah, Dele Gadeo A Rod, we talked about it. Just wasn't really a fit in the Big 12. And then Jalen Green, man, if he can get it together, he's got he's got NFL talent, Uh, but it just never – injuries in and in a variety of reasons. It just never came together for Texas. And, you know, Rod, that's it, – it's interesting. We're going to need to do a couple of shows on this uh, to really get the point across. But I think what's interesting is when you look at the reason why the various coaches haven't been able to develop talent, it's all for like different – there's no one just common reason. That's why it's so hard to treat, treat the disease, if you will, because each of them failed in different areas. Like, like Matt, to me, Max was more scheme than anything.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yeah like, the pieces just, didn't just them.
1: never really figured out. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, never really fair. We we poked fun at it all the time. Like year to year, they're changing offensive styles and offensive philosophies. Uh, Charlie Strong's was, in my opinion, it was mismanaging a the quarterback position and b he hired, quite frankly, initially a terrible coaching staff. I don't think those coaches individually are bad coaches. But collectively, especially offensive staff, it was a CF for lack of a better term. Rod, I'm not going to try to mix my words like you do because I would mess it up <laughs> and have to have Matt hit the dump button. But it was it was a cluster. It just didn't yep. it didn't work, and and that was a coaching staff issue. And then to me, for Tom Herman, I think the two biggest issues that plagued Tom Herman were one, the inability to foster relationships with your players, and two. Injury prevention and management. I mean, I'm gonna go down the list, okay? I'm gonna go down the list of guys in the in still in the program from the twenty eighteen recruiting class, Rod, and let's count how many of these guys have had a major injury or surgery in their career. You ready? Yeah. BJ right. BJ Foster, yes. DeMarvian Overshone, yes. Uh, Anthony Cook, I can't. Think of one off the, the – I no, he had a shoulder injury in 20 – th- He had he a had shoulder a injury. injury, yep, yeah. at the end of the nineteen season. Joshua Moore, yes. Alvante Woodard, yes, broken foot. Deshaun Jameson, I want to say he did his freshman year. There was like a groin or a hamstring, I thought, maybe with him. Uh, Keandre Coburn's a guy that stayed healthy. Junior Anguilau played through an ankle injury, but he's good. Casey Thompson, no injury. Rafidi Grimay, Moro Ojimo, Christian Jones, Ryan Bushevsky. Your punter mm-hmm. has had a broken clavicle and an ACL tear in his career. Yeah. And then Cameron Dicker. So, Rod, Jeez. that's that's almost all the guys I mentioned from the 18 class that are still on campus that have had some kind of major injury and or surgery in their career.
3: Great point. Yeah. No, that's a – and that could be a number of things, right? That can be part strength and conditioning uh, program. That can also be a culture thing. We know Tom Harmon. Mm-hmm. Was is uh, a lot of meathead at Aspiring times, right? Also meathead. some mints in there, but you know if you you know if you didn't win the off season conditioning drills, you would have to eat you know runny eggs and burnt toast <laughs> and that kind of stuff, right? He was into some of those old school beliefs about football, um, and oftentimes I bet you know his teams could probably wear themselves out. I it, you know I bet the practices for Tom Herman um, maybe they were too physical at times in terms of throughout the season. Uh, Maybe he was more meathead than Mensa in those occasions. So we don't know exactly what the reasons were for all the injuries and the accumulation of them. Um, You know, they got nutrition uh, staffs now too. So that's a big part of it. I think that's usually a culmination of things. Um, So maybe that's difficult to control, but that is your job and you got to monitor that, that trend with that negative trend when it develops. And there's no doubt about it. That, for Tom Herman, that was one of the big issues that haunted his
1: regime. And with yeah. the 19 class rod, it doesn't get much better. Of the 16 guys in the 2019 recruiting class that are still on campus, I count seven that have had through the through their first two years in a program have had a major injury and or surgery. Jordan Weddington, Jake Smith, Brayden Lybrook, Roshan yeah. Johnson. Like Roshon Johnson was banged up the entire year last year. No, that's mm-hmm. true, man. Isaiah Hookfin. Marcus Tillman, Tavondre Sweat. That's ma- major injuries and or surgeries. And in the case of Roshon Johnson, the minor stuff wound up being major because at the end of the year, when he was finally healthy, we're right, like, oh hey, Roshon Johnson still can play. How about that? He can still he can still tote the rock and look really good.
3: No, it's a great point. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, man. I, I don't think anybody's ever really brought it up, but El you know, Sam was hurt his entire career here in Texas off I mean I guess I don't know how much of that you can Put on the shoulders of the coach but that is your job to recognize that and to make the necessary adjustments to you know to identify the problem wherever it may be strength and conditioning uh nutrition whatever it may be so man that's pretty interesting though i i haven't nobody's ever brought that up really but it's been a constant issue for this for this program recently
2: well, and I know we've sort of talked about it, but it's just uh, in the situation where you can't directly correlate one to the other, yet when you start to see the symptoms, as you would say, over and over and over and continue, and I mean, even to the point that you know Buczewski's, you know, his injury came off of something like following right after his roughing penalty, like the culture of toughness after the same idea of these tough practices that you would hear about, and then you end up having a lot of these, and a lot of them seem to be pulls, tears, soft tissue, things like that, that sort of do correlate. Now, you can't distinctly point to and prove it, yet when they start to pile up, it's hard to deny.
1: You know, Rod, even look in the 18 class. The three guys that left early, Caden Stearns, we know his injury history. Yep. Yep. Joseph Osai, played through a shoulder injury the last two years. And then Brendan Eagles, he had the injury at eighteen that cost him pretty much the entire season. Mm-hmm. And then go back to before the nineteen season, we were we were wondering if he was going to be available in the opener because he had to have uh, the arthroscopic surgery on his elbow to get some stuff cleaned up. Now some of that was from back in high school, but still, it stands to reason. Like, what are you? How do you just now realize that your one of your top wide receivers needs arthroscopic surgery three weeks before the start of the regular season? How is that not yeah. caught in the spring? The same with DeMarvin Overshone. And that's the
3: training staff, man. That's on the training staff. That's, that's another issue. That's, that's another la- layer to it, man. Yeah, so maybe that's the training like, staff.
1: That's like, DeMar- yeah, DeMarvin Overshone shoulder, shoulder injury. How did Tavondre Sweat get his shoulder surgery right after the bowl game, but yet DeMarvin Overshone, apparently nobody figured it out. I guess the previous training staff didn't figure it out. And when well, Sark's guys took a look under the hood, they're like, oh, you, you need surgery. And that wasn't figured out until right before
2: spring ball started. Well, and then the B.J. Foster aspect when he couldn't lift an arm for half of the season, but it was something that he was constantly playing through, but also Shouldn't have been playing. Exactly. And in, if you look back, and some people may look, and I like that you brought up Sarkin, Alabama stuff. He's like, oh, well, look at Saban. Look at those guys. He's like, no, those guys, it was like Tua broke his hip and Waddle broke his ankle. Those are bone snapping. That's a lot different than something that you're talking about that are more problematic things that can be caught by training staffs when it comes down to tissue or comes down to ligaments things along those lines
1: so we'll continue to talk about it as we go forward. But Rada, to me that's that's as big of an indictment on tom herman as anything and that's part of your regime you hire strength coaches you hire a training staff you hire a nutrition staff why are guys either a getting injured or b it like matt said it's not like we're talking about you know tib fib fractures or anything like that i mean this is all of them aren't like nerve damage and shoulders and mm-hmm. like guys getting shoulder surgery. like what wh- what is happening over there what are you what are yeah, you doing boy
3: man got I and mean, that's training staff strength and conditioning staff that's Culture. Your, your nutrition staff Culture, and yes man that's exactly. a practice right that's your practices how do you how do your guys recover how much time do they have to recover um, you know, when do you want to uh, wear your guys down and when do you want to get the hard work in? How much time do you give them to recover so that they can be as fresh as possible for a game situation? I mean, that's a, it's a lot to consider. Uh, no question about it. But as a coach, that is. Yeah, that's part of the job. There's they, no doubt about it. And yeah, man, it's that's that's troubling uh, for, for start considering the injury history of the team. You know, and that's a mentality that a lot of guys might have now too, you know, about what's the difference between an injury and what's the difference between being hurt. You play hurt all the time, but you can't play injured. Um, and that's a culture thing as well that in, you gotta yeah, implement. So into your- Sark, man, Sark's got, there's a lot of there's a lot of work to do because that's something that we haven't really got into, but that's something that's so multifactorial mm-hmm. that I just don't even know where you start. I think bringing in, of course, they just say new staff overall. Um it's the best way to do it. But if it's something that's chronic that even starts to exist early on with Sark, then you know, then we'll know like, okay, then maybe it's something that lingered over from Tom Herman's tenure.
2: And you brought it up there though, right? But the idea of bad habit forming, because we would hear Herman talk a lot about guys and having to practice to get the time onto the field, you know, and wanted to make sure. But yeah. if you're talking about that, then it may be actually making not only potential injuries come up, but performing i mean habits can be formed and it doesn't take long to to start a habit and once you get a couple months of the same type of behavior that's your new normal and that's hard to break
1: so we'll keep talking about this topic of player development pretty much all offseason because like i said i think this is the all the all the data suggests this is the disease that's been inflicting texas football and how do you remedy it good lord As we talked about, there are a number of different ways you can look at it, and I'm not sure where you start. But we will do our best to analyze it as we go forward in the offseason. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
1: For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and The Horn, 104.9-1019-AM1260, streaming on The Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod beat each and every weekday on the triple option from 3 to 7. You can also catch myself and Craigway each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page.
2: Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz.
1: Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcasts. And click the subscribe button to get every episode of State of Recruiting the Flagship and Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.
0: You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.